tonight to Galatians chapter 3. Galatians chapter 3. To read at verse 6. Even as Abraham believed God, it was accounted to him for righteousness. Know ye therefore that they which are of faith, the same are the children of Abraham. And the Scripture, foreseeing that God would justify the heathen through faith, preached before the Gospel unto Abraham, saying, In thee shall all nations be blessed. So then they which be of faith are blessed with faithful Abraham. Let's look to the Lord in prayer. Father, thank You for this service tonight. And we thank You for each one who has come. We know there are a number uh, who are sick, are not feeling well. Uh, we pray that You would minister to them. Some are in this meeting and they don't feel well. Uh, we pray that You would minister to them. We thank You that You are touched with the feeling of our infirmities. And we believe that's not only our spiritual infirmities, but our physical infirmities. And we thank You for the great God and our Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, and for His great love wherewith He loved us. We just pray that You would bless our study of Your Word tonight. And thank You for these moments when we can do that. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. We're continuing tonight uh, our studies in Paul's letter to the Galatians. It is, a, it is just an amazing letter to me. Um, it's a letter that defends and proves the gospel of grace and refutes for all time uh, the idea of salvation by the works of the law. Now here in chapter 3, Paul's argument takes a little different turn. He has stated the principle, the doctrine of salvation by grace alone. In chapter 2 and verse 16, he says that we know, we know that a man is not justified by the works of the law, but by the faith of Jesus Christ. For by the works of the law shall no flesh be justified. And then he closes chapter 2 with this conclusion. I do not frustrate the grace of God. For if righteousness come by the law, then Christ is dead in vain. If righteousness come by the law, if we can be saved by works, then why did the Lord Jesus have to endure the eternal suffering and judgment of God on the cross of Calvary. He did endure it because it was necessary. It is the only way that we could be saved. So in chapter 2, Paul states the doctrine. He states the principle. Now in chapter 3, he's going to give a real-life example of the doctrine. He's going to give a real-life example of someone who is justified by the faith of Christ and not by the works of the law. And the example is Abraham. Look again at verse 6. 
even as Abraham believed God, and it was accounted to him for righteousness. This is the first time that Abraham is mentioned here in Galatians. His name will appear nine more times in this book. And eight of those times are right here in chapter 3. And I'm trying to think of the word, but this is brilliant on the part of the Spirit of God. It's absolutely brilliant on his part to use the Apostle Paul to express and bring out Abraham. Because remember, Paul is writing not only to these Galatian believers, but he's also writing to these legalizers, these false brethren who have come in uh, unawares, who were troubling these Galatians, and they were teaching them that they must be circumcised and keep the law of Moses in order to be saved. It was these people that Paul had contended with in Antioch and then at Jerusalem. And so the Spirit of God uh, brings out Abraham, the very man, the very man, as we'll see in a few minutes, who these salvation by the works of the law people are clinging to. I just find that to be um, just a tremendous, brilliant argument. But what else would we expect from God? It's Abraham that he brings out as the example of what it means to be justified by the faith of Christ and not by the works of the law. We saw last week that Abraham, like every man, has the work of the law written in his heart. We read those words in Romans chapter 2 and verse 15. The work of the law written in his heart. And the word work in that verse is so important because it tells us that the law that is written in our hearts is therefore a purpose. The law has a work to do in our hearts. And I don't want to jump too far ahead, but Paul tells us about the work that the law does in our hearts here in this chapter. Look at verse 24 of chapter 3. Wherefore, the law was our schoolmaster, our instructor, our teacher. And what does our schoolmaster teach us? That we can't keep the law. That's what the law, that's what the schoolmaster taught Abraham. We talked last week how Abraham broke the law. He lied. He bore false witness. He didn't love his neighbor as himself when it came to his own wife. He put her in peril to save himself. He committed adultery. Abraham was guilty of breaking the whole law. We mentioned James chapter 2 and verse 10. For whosoever shall keep the whole law and yet offend in one point, he is guilty of all. Abraham is a sinner. 
Because sin is the transgression of the law. That's what the schoolmaster of the law taught Abraham. And it brought him to the same point that we read about in Job chapter 25 and verse 4. How then can man, how then can man whose heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked, how then can man whose every imagination of the thoughts of his heart is only evil continually, how then can man who can no more do good than an Ethiopian can change his skin or the leopard his spots? How then can man be justified with God? That's what the question that's asked in Job 25 and verse 4. Or how can he be clean that is born of a woman? Don't think about that question. People have an answer to it, you know. Oh, but I'm going to turn over a new leaf. I made resolutions this year. I'm not going to think evil thoughts. I'm not going to lust. I'm not going to lie. I'm going to love my neighbors myself. How long did that last? A couple of minutes maybe. And you were breaking the law again. See, that's the purpose of the schoolmaster. To show us what it showed Paul. For the good that I would, I do not. But the evil which I would not, that I do. Why? Why is it like that? Because sin dwelleth in me. Sin dwelleth in you. This old nature that is not subject to the law of God, neither indeed can be. So how can we who are not subject to the law of God keep the law of God? How can we be saved by the works of the law? We can't. So what can we do? The law can't save us because we can't keep it. We're not even subject to it. And yet here we are without hope and without God in the world. What can we do? This is where the schoolmaster of the law wants to bring us. And, and, and when we come to that point, we cry out like Paul did, O wretched man that I am, who shall deliver me from the body of this death? And when we get to that point, the answer comes through loud and clear. I thank God through Jesus Christ our Lord. Verse 24, Wherefore the law was our schoolmaster to bring us unto Christ that we might be justified by faith. This is where the schoolmaster of the law brings us, to Christ. Romans 10 and verse 4, For Christ, Christ is the end of the law for righteousness to everyone that believeth. Look at verse 13 of chapter 3. Christ hath redeemed us from the curse of the law, being made a curse for us. For it is written, Cursed is everyone that hangeth on a tree, that the blessing of Abraham might come on the Gentiles through Jesus Christ, that we might receive the promise 
of the Spirit through faith. This is where the schoolmaster of the law wants to bring us. When we think about that, this, verse 24, is the school of God. It's the school of God. And every man and woman and child is in this school. But there's something that we need to understand. The school of God is like this school. It's like Calvary Christian School. Teachers are already thinking about what I'm going to say, I'm sure. There are children here who are good students. They have a desire to learn. They hear and they soak up what is being taught and they believe it. And then there are students who ignore what's being taught. All they're interested in is getting out of school all they're interested in. Getting out of school, going on with their lives. The school of God is the same way. There are people who listen to the schoolmaster and they allow the schoolmaster to bring them to Christ, to show them their need and bring them to Him. And then there are those. And I would say, unfortunately, it's the majority who are in the school of God. Because we read in Matthew chapter 7, few there be that find eternal life. There are those in the school of God, what they want is to get out of school. They want to get out of the school. They don't want anything to do with it. They want to go their own way. They remind me of Esau. Remember in Hebrews chapter 11, we find that... that uh, Abraham dwelt in tents with Isaac and Jacob. And that was a school. It was a school where Abraham was teaching his son Isaac and his grandson uh, Jacob the gospel, the word of God. And where was Esau? He didn't want anything to do with the school of God. What he wanted was to be out in the field of the world. And that's exactly the way many, many are in the school of God. They don't want to be there. They want to be out in the field of the world, going their own way, doing their own will. Well, they might have a religious veneer in their lives. They're like the man that the Lord Jesus talks about in Matthew chapter 12. They sweep out and they garnish the house of their heart. They turn over a new leaf. They, they drop some bad habit or habits. They make a resolution here and there. They may even make some sort of Christian profession. But they will not allow the schoolmaster of the law to bring them to the place where they need to be, to the end of themselves, and bring them to Christ. And without Christ, they may be religious but they're lost. Now this is not what happened to Abraham. The law was Abraham's schoolmaster to bring him to Christ. We know that because we, we read last week, I think we read it or mentioned it for sure, from Genesis 22 and verse 8, 
Abraham said, My son, God will provide himself a lamb for a burnt offering. We mentioned those verses, that verse, those words a number of times recently, but they're so important because it shows that Abraham, how did he get saved? <laughs> he was looking forward to the time when God would provide Himself a Lamb, the Lamb of God, which taketh away the sin of the world, the Lord Jesus Christ. This is what Paul is telling us in, uh, in verse 6. Even as Abraham believed God, and it was accounted to him for righteousness, Abraham did not do the works of the law to be saved. Because he couldn't. He couldn't keep the law any more than we can. Abraham did not work. He believed God. He believed on Him that justifieth the ungodly and his faith was counted for righteousness. And you can just see these legalizers, these Judaizers, these unbelieving believers, as this letter is read there in the churches of Galatia, you can see them fuming when they read these words or hear these words. They're just like the Jews in John chapter 8. Now I'd like for you to keep your place here in Galatians and turn back to John chapter 8 for just a minute because to some degree John chapter 8 is if it's not the parallel passage to what we're reading in Galatians chapter 3 it's certainly the commentary on Galatians chapter 3 look at John uh, chapter 8 and verse 28 then said Jesus unto them, When ye have lifted up the Son of Man, then shall ye know that I am He, and that I do nothing of Myself, but as My Father hath taught Me, I speak these things. When ye have lifted up the Son of Man, that language, that language, lifting up the Son of Man, is the Gospel. Mr. Creech was preaching from John chapter 3 Wednesday night where the Lord Jesus told Nicodemus, and as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, even so must the Son of Man be lifted up. That's the cross where the Lord Jesus was made sin for us. Those words, when you have lifted up the Son of Man here, and the Lord's words in John 3.14 are the fulfillment of what uh, Numbers chapter 21 pictures. The serpent of brass that was lifted up on the pole in the camp of Israel. The serpent had, uh, God had sent serpents in among the people. They were biting them. And they were dying. And the Lord told Moses, He said, you take you a serpent of brass and put it on the pole. And the message was, look and live. Look and live. We sing that song. Look to Jesus now and live. It is recorded in His Word. Hallelujah. It is only that you look and live. And so Moses did that. And the people looked at 
the serpent of brass and they were healed. These words, when we read them in the New Testament, when the Son of Man, when you have lifted up the Son of Man, even so must the Son of Man be lifted up. They're the fulfillment of what we read there in Numbers chapter 21. They are the very image of what that pictures. They're the fulfillment of the message of Isaiah 53.6. All we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned every one to his own way. And the Lord hath laid on him, on him, the Son of Man, when he was lifted up on the cross of Calvary, the iniquity of us all. For he hath made him to be sin for us who knew no sin, that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. These words, when ye have lifted up the Son of Man, are the message of the gospel of grace. John 3.14 And as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, even so must the Son of Man be lifted up, that whosoever believeth in Him, no works of the law there, that whosoever believeth in Him should not perish, but have everlasting life. Look again at verse 28. Then said Jesus unto them, When ye have lifted up the Son of Man, then shall ye know that I am He, and that I do nothing of Myself. But as My Father hath taught Me, I speak these things. And He that sent Me is with Me. The Father hath not left Me alone. For I do always those things that please Him. As He spake these words, many believed on Him. Then said Jesus to those Jews which believed on Him, If ye continue in My word, then are ye My disciples indeed. And ye shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. Now notice verse 33. They answered Him. They answered Him. They of this verse are the same people of verse 30 and 31. They're unbelieving believers. And we know that because look what they say in verse 33. They answered Him, We be Abraham's seed and were never in bondage to any man. How sayest thou, Ye shall be made free? These people did not see themselves as being in the bondage of sin. As being the servants of sin. The Lord says in verse 34, whosoever committed sin is a servant of sin. They didn't see themselves that way. They are Abraham's seed. Notice that please. We be Abraham's seed. Underline that word seed in your mind. They're Abraham's seed. They're Abraham's descendants after the flesh. And they are trusting in that. They're trusting in their religious heritage, in their religious tradition. They're trusting in their circumcision. They're trusting in the law of Moses. They don't see themselves as servants of sin. But they are. Which is why the Lord tells them in verse 36, If the Son therefore shall make you free, ye shall be free 
indeed. And then he says in verse 37, I know that ye are Abraham's seed. There's that word seed again. And it's critical because the Lord uses that word, and it's their word, by the way. They're the ones who brought it up. It's their claim in verse 33, we be Abraham's seed. And the Lord says in verse 37, I know that you're Abraham's seed. I know that you're Abraham's seed. But there's a distinction that the Lord makes. A very, very important distinction. I know that ye are Abraham's seed, but ye seek to kill me because my word hath no place in you. I speak that which I have seen with my father, and ye do that which ye have seen with your father. They answered and said unto him, Abraham is our father. Jesus saith unto them, If ye were Abraham's children, if ye were Abraham's children, here's this distinction. We're Abraham's seed. The Lord says, I know you're Abraham's seed. I know the genealogy. I know it perfectly. I know it all the way from Genesis chapter 11 all the way down to the present hour. I know you're Abraham's seed. But here's the distinction. If you were Abraham's children, you would do the works of Abraham. Verse 39 is where the Lord makes the distinction. They're Abraham's seed. They're Abraham's descendants. But they're not Abraham's children. And they were not Abraham's children because they had not done the works of Abraham. That's what the Lord says there in verse 39. If ye were Abraham's children, ye would do the works of Abraham. The works of Abraham? The works of Abraham? I thought Abraham were not. So why does the Lord tell these people that they had not done the works of Abraham? Well, look back just a couple of pages to, to John chapter 6. John chapter 6. And let's read at verse 26. Jesus has fed the 5,000. And He has gone over. Um, and these people who were fed are looking for Him. Um, and so, they find Him. They get in their ships and they come to Capernaum looking for Him. Verse 25, And when they had found Him on the other side of the sea, they said unto Him, Rabbi, when camest thou hither? Jesus answered them and said, Verily, verily, I say unto you, Ye seek Me not because ye saw the miracles, but because ye did eat of the loaves and were filled. Labor not for the meat which perisheth, but for that meat which endureth under everlasting life, which the Son of Man shall give unto you. For Him hath God the Father sealed. Now, verse 28, 
Then said they unto him, What shall we do that we might work the works of God? Don't miss verse 29. Jesus answered and said unto them, This is the work of God that ye believe on Him whom He has sent. Now, look back at John chapter 8 and verse 39. They answered and said unto Him, Abraham is our father. Jesus saith unto them, If ye were Abraham's children, ye would do the works of Abraham. What work did Abraham do? He believed on Him whom He hath sent. That's what the Lord told those people back in John chapter 6. You want to work the works of God? This is the work of God. That ye believe on Him whom He hath sent. This is, what, this is the work that He's talking about in verse 39 here. Abraham believed on Him whom He hath sent. My son... Come back to those words again. My son, God will provide Himself a lamb for a burnt offering. He believed on Him whom He hath sent. He believed on Him who He was going to send. But it's the same thing as we do. Abraham believed God and it was accounted to him for righteousness. These Jews did not believe that. This is why they were Abraham's seed, but they were not Abraham's children. Because look at Galatians, uh, go back to Galatians chapter 3 and look at verse 7. Know ye therefore that they which are of faith, they which are of faith, the same are the children of Abraham. These Jews in Jesus' day were not the children of Abraham because they were not of faith. They were of works. And this is the same group that Paul is dealing with in Antioch, in Galatia. You know when we read this seventh verse about who the children of Abraham are, Know ye therefore that they which are of faith, the same are the children of Abraham. It brings to mind uh, something that took place in the ministry of John the Baptist. He was out there preaching in the wilderness and the Pharisees and the Sadducees went out to, to hear Him. And John told them in, in Matthew chapter 3 and verse 9, And think not to say within yourselves, we have Abraham to our father. Has that sound familiar? For I say unto you that God is able of these stones to raise up children unto Abraham. And guess what? He has. He has. You and I are dead stones. We're dead in trespasses and sins. We have exactly the same amount of spiritual life as a stone. We have none. But when we, by faith, when we believe God, when we give up our works and believe on Him that justifieth the ungodly, our faith is counted for righteousness 
and we become lively stones. Living stones. That's what Peter calls us in 1 Peter chapter 2 and verse 5. And so God indeed is able of these stones to raise up children unto Abraham. And He has. It's an amazing thing to think about. If you're saved tonight, you're one of them. Know ye therefore that they which are of faith, the same are the children of Abraham. Verse 8, And the Scripture, foreseeing that God would justify the heathen, the Gentiles, through faith, preached before the Gospel unto Abraham, saying, In thee shall all nations be blessed. In thee shall all nations be blessed. And that prophecy has been fulfilled. Look look back at Romans chapter 9 for just a minute. Romans chapter 9. And look at verse 4. Paul is talking about his kinsmen according to the flesh, who are Israelites, to whom pertaineth the adoption and the glory and the covenants and the giving of the law, the Word of God and the service of God and the promises. Whose are the fathers and of whom as concerning the flesh Christ came, who is over all, God blessed forever. Amen. All nations have been blessed in Abraham because through Abraham, through Israel, Christ came. He came to be lifted up as He told Nicodemus. As Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, even so must the Son of Man be lifted up. That whosoever believeth in Him should not perish but have everlasting life. The the, the message is so consistent, isn't it? It's so consistent. Do you know the Lord tonight? Have you humbled your heart? Have you allowed the law that you cannot keep, the law that you break every day, have you allowed the law to be your schoolmaster? To bring you to Christ to bring you to Him. The only one who can help you. The only one who can save you. That you might be justified by faith. You can do that tonight. You can put your faith and trust in the Lord Jesus Christ and Him alone. And He'll give you His righteousness. This book of Galatians is so critical. It's so important for us to study because we're supposed to be able to go out and give a reason for the hope that is in us with meekness and fear. And what is the hope that's within us? It's Christ. It's Him and Him alone. It's not the works of the law. And yet most of the people that we're going to encounter, most of the people that we're going to have an opportunity to witness to, they don't understand that. They don't believe that. They're rebelling against the schoolmaster. They don't want to be brought to Christ. They think they can be saved by their works. 
And this is why these things are so important to have in our minds. This is the hope that we have within us. And we need to be able to give that hope out to a world that's lost. Let's look to the Lord in prayer. Father, thank You for these wonderful verses in the book of Galatians. And uh, we just pray that You would press them to our hearts tonight. Uh, that we might be those who can give a reason for the hope that's within us. And Father, if there's anybody here tonight who is... You want the law to be their schoolmaster to bring them to You, to show them, to bring them to the end of themselves. They have no hope. And when we get to that point, You'll show Yourself strong. And so if there's anyone here tonight who's, who's rebelling, not allowing the schoolmaster to bring them to Christ, to the only one who can save them, we pray that You would speak to them. Um, we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.